Hello and welcome to tonight's episode of Myths and Stories, a Destiny 2 lore podcast. Uh, Tonight we are talking about the season of plunder, the most recent season in Destiny 2. Uh, and going to give kind of our general impressions of it, um, mostly from a lore and story aspect. Uh, we might get a little into gameplay here and there, but that's not going to be the focus by any means. We're going to be reading off some of the um, lore from the season that we think is important or just kind of you know cool, might have ties to other things. Uh, we're going to be talking about the returning raid King's Fall as well from a lore perspective and some of the things you may not have known about King's Fall um, and how it connects to some of the other things that are going on currently. Uh, talk about uh, some very special items that dropped as part of the pre-order for uh, the Lightfall expansion of Destiny. And then we've got a little surprise for you at the end. He's he's been keeping this surprise for me. So this is even a surprise to me. He won't tell me <laughs> what it is, which is fine because it, so he's he's promised the surprise and I promised him I won't make any pirate jokes tonight. So Yarg, there's my single pirate thing. That's all I get tonight. Yeah, we'll we'll see how true that ends up being. I I swear I will keep to it. <laughs> But yeah, uh, so season of the plunder. Uh, it's it, it's pirates. Yarg, there be termites in my leg. Okay, there. That was it. <laughs> that was it. I promise. Uh, no. Uh, so my wife uh, is absolutely in love with this season. Uh, the 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 swashbuckler title. The where you're fighting on pirate ships. It, it it pirate ships in space. Like it's so freaking awesome. I absolutely love it. Yeah, no, it's definitely a lot of, um, especially after coming off of a kind of very narratively and emotionally, narratively heavy and emotionally charged season. Oh my God, yes. It's nice to have something kind of light. Exactly. Like right. coming off of that onto something <laughs> that's just like a little more, just feels fun, feels feels much more lighthearted. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it it feels good. It feels like a little breath of fresh air. And I, I understand um, that's probably why they did it was because it's a little like, let's give people a breather for a second before whatever they have in store for us ends up coming in. Yeah. Um, I not, not a complaint per se, but it, it, I do feel like that makes it feel a touch out of place. I, tonally as far it, as I, I can see that because it's like we've had yeah. a lot of this really heavy really narratively driven um kind of build up of like darkness and callous and the witness and like time the end is nigh but let's hit pause yeah. for a second and go on a pirate adventure uh yeah so like it i i enjoy it i really um understand why they probably did that and i'm having a ton of fun with it but i it does give me a little, a little bit of like, you know, okay. The main narrative is, is on pause at the moment. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like yeah. it fits per se in that regard, but yeah. I don't mind it. Well, and I, I guess the big thing here, like as far as like the season, and everything like, and we, we, I think we, we called this last time too, at the reveal when we did our reveal review, uh, this is very much 
well, like the direction you were seeing it going, Myth was like Aramis is back, Ship Stealer's back. Like we're gonna go with Mithrax, and now granted we didn't have some of the other pieces that fit that 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 we didn't quite weren't quite there, but now seeing the lore of the cards that we have, those other pieces now make sense why they're in there. Yes, uh, people like Spider, people like Drifter, like it it. Yeah, I I love that we get to interact with Ido. Yeah. Like she seems I I love her expressions. I love her 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 like every every little dialogue with her. She's just so excited. She's just she's ready to be an elixir. She's ready to be a uh you know, the a house of light. Like she's uh, every time she says may the light provide like uh, I or light provides or what any I I have fallen in love with her. She is absolutely my favorite character this season. Um, as far as as far as the the season of plunder goes, she's she's a really fun character, and again, she brings um, she brings a certain level of like uh innocence, and and you could claim yeah. naivete. Uh, Spider certainly thinks so, but uh, oh, like yeah. when when you're surrounded by so many world weary, cynical people, um, you know, like Zavala, like. Ikora, like you know, <laughs> even Keitel to a point. Like these are all people that have lived a long, long time. Oh my god! And yes. they've been beaten down a little bit because of it. And to to have instead take uh, one of the the main stages now be Ido, who is this fairly young, um, just kind of bright eyed and super curious, and like wants to believe in the best intentions. Uh, yeah, she's like an she's like an unsullied exactly, Elixney, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> I love it. I absolutely no, love it. So she's been a lot of fun. I uh, now, uh, granted, we're we're kind of yeah, we're we're talking about oh, she's favorite character this season, or this season feels a little out of place, and it's literally been the first week. So take all right. this with a little great assault, of course. But Ar- Aramis is is absolutely free. Yes, absolutely. Like, I'm 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 assuming I'm and and this is what I I think this is what was told in the first week's uh, uh series of events or, or quest line or whatever was that the darkness had did help her break out. Yeah. Or the, or I guess the the witness helped her break out of stasis like in a, in a sense of like she is still usable to me. I I need her back and so now she, but now she's and it it seems like she was like she was broken out, and now she's just like, okay, f it. The darkness didn't help me. Stasis didn't help me. I'm gonna go back to the old ways. I'm gonna go back to the pirating ways of the Elixney post whirlwind. So it 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 kind of it kind of fits, but I I definitely see what I, like where it seems like this season is kind of disjointed. Like it's 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 just like a take a break from the deep heavy stuff. Be a pirate for a bit be a swashbuckler have some yeah fun. and we may find as the narrative goes on that there are more ties than what we we think right now um it it was i believe in like the intro scene um or maybe it was mentioned in a, a dialogue or something Ar- aramis says something along the lines of like she could hear many whispers or many voices while she was trapped in in stasis and one of them reached out to her more above the the noise and was able to show her like how to break free or or weakened it in some way to allow her to break free but then also in that intro scene she talks about how like stasis betrayed her and you know and yep. and ended up like turning against her um 
So I don't really know what side she's on right now. I guess she's probably on her own side is, is probably the answer. Like she's, she doesn't care about the witness. She cares about like, I want to survive. I want to keep my, myself and the elixir that support me, uh, you know, around, uh, by any means necessary. And that's, that's something we get a lot with all the dialogue in the, um, I think specifically the six man activity, because the six man activity is very much like your crew versus Aramis crew. Like it, you're, you're very much kind of going back and forth between mm-hmm. pirate ships there. Um, and, and she mentions a lot there that, you know, it, it, it's, it's not that she doesn't care about stasis, doesn't care about any of that. It's just that all of this stuff is just tools for her to help bring the elixir people together. And she even like, she's even, like the whole time she's taunting Mithrax the whole time. She's like house of light, house judgment, like all that stuff was crap. Like none of that meant anything. None of that is going to save the elixir people. None of that is going to bring the elixir people together because you're still just following false gods. The, you know, the great machine. Oh, yay. Who cares? Like that's that's very much what Aramis seems like she is. is yeah. Um, toting. She, she right is now. full on like disillusioned from both the yeah. Traveler and now Dark because Stasis kind of kicked right. her in the butt. Uh, right. Like and uh, like I guess rightfully so, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, but um, she does seem to have a plan. Uh, she is not doing things willy nilly. She's not just roaming around uh, for the sake of it. She seems to have a plan. And actually, there's a uh, a weapon lore from this season that indicates that. Um, so we can start with that one tonight. Uh, yeah, let's the, do it. Uh, that weapon is the Sail Spy Pitch Glass which is the new season of plunder, uh, linear fusion rifle. Um, and it doesn't talk about, uh, Aramis is not the direct subject of this one. Uh, but it, it gives us a hint that there's, there's something going on here that we don't know about yet. Um, so it goes like this. Eryx has good eyes. Yes. One on top, right dull, filmy, not so good, but others, very good, sharp. Eryx waits, motionless, tastes the thin wind, rate of speed, leads target, takes the shot. Eryx does not miss. Enemies panic again, again, quiet. Eryx sends in his crew, watches through the scope. One claims more than their share. Eryx teaches. Body falls. Lesson learned. Quiet again. Eryx watches his crew open the chest. One holds the treasure high in shaking claws. Eryx sees the dark glass, sees the object floating inside, recognizes, tightens grip, holds breath. Eryx knows what Aramis seeks, knows what it is worth, knows what she will pay. Eryx will take the shot. And that's the end of that card. Like, on the surface, this is just like a a, a pirate captain doing pirate things, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do, get, 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 in the, get in the bounty, get the, get the loot, 
send the crew in. Oh, crew's, crew's getting a little greedy. Boom. Screw that guy. Guess you can't be greedy when you're dead. They, the you know, crew keeps going. They find this thing. Now, now Captain says, oh, well, you know, Aramis will, Aramis will see me in a good light if I take it to her. I'm not going to let this guy take credit for that. Pop. Bye. Relic, or, you know, I, I'm going to call it a relic um, because that's what we're chasing yep. the, the whole time yep. of the season. Uh, you know, relic mine. I'm going to go bring this to Aram, uh, Aramis and collect my bounty. Uh, but is is there like a deeper? Well, I think thing it tells us a little bit um, about the, those last couple lines. So, uh, Eric sees the dark glass, sees the object floating inside, recognizes. Meaning, to me, that means Eric knows whatever this thing is. He has seen it before. He recognizes it. Yeah, that tells me this is not a relic of. You know, th- this is not some random relic that has appeared that came from the pyramid ships. It's not a gift from the witness. To me, for Erix to recognize that, that is likely something of Elixni make, of maybe old world po- Elixni make. I was going to say, possibly pre-Whirlwind. Possibly pre-Whirlwind. Uh, and okay. whatever this thing is, he recognizes, he, you know, seeing it, informs him of what Aramis's plan is. You know, it says Eryx knows what Aramis seeks. He knows what it is worth. He knows whatever this relic is worth. And he knows what she will pay. So whatever her plan yeah. is, is not going to be, you know, uh, there, there's some cost involved with using the, these relics that the, the various uh, crews are trying to recover. So it doesn't tell us exactly what okay. is what it is or what her plan is, but I think it suggests that this is of Elixni make, and whatever it is is powerful and is going to an exact a price of some sort. Okay. Okay. So moving on to uh another lore uh, weapon lore card that we wanted to read here. Um, I say this one comes from uh, the new seasonal shotgun called no reprieve. And this gives us a little, uh, a little hint along with some of the other dialogues in the season that uh, Mithrax may have a bit of a checkered past that we don't know about. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So This is no reprieve, and it goes like this. Alox, the beast tamer, looks down at the dreg kneeling at her feet. His two arms are spread in supplication. Forgiveness, he wheezes. He's begging, whining like a scolded animal. Even her war beast wouldn't grovel so. There is silence but for the familiar thrum of her catch and the rasping sound of the war beast's breath as they doze behind her. Alox taps a claw against her rebreather, then snorts and shakes her head. The dreg starts to tremble as the pirate lord snaps her fingers and her war beasts stir, rising to their feet, stretching lazily before coming to their mistress's side. The cash on Europa was lost because of your incompetence, she, sh- she says to the dreg. Now Misrax will come for us. 
The war beast's teeth gleam in the low light. Their claws scrape against the graded floor. Their hides bear the brand of her flag. They are loyal. They are hungry. Mercy, the dreg whispers. He is quiet, quavering. This is mercy, Pyridus, Elax says, her voice lowering. You haven't faced Misrax. I have. He knows no mercy or forgiveness. Alax hisses a command to her pack, then folds her four arms over her chest. Her warbeast salivating smiles split wide as they advance. And that's the end of that card. Are these war beasts captured cabal war beasts? I think so. Because um, we even see members of Cabal as uh, as as uh, part of the pirate crews during the missions. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. I think okay. there's very much kind of orphaned Cabal out there that have left the legions and have, you know, staked a claim with the pirates. Yeah. Well, and like I said, this one again at the surface... Another pirate lord doing pirate lord things. Crew member screwed up a screwed up a bounty, and pirate lord's like, "Hey, there's there's a price to pay here. Like, you you can't just be out here claiming part of my crew and doing bounties for me and 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 screw it up and expect that to go unpunished. And apparently, whatever this punishment is, like, is mercy compared to Mithrax, yeah. like." She keeps mentioning Mithrax through this whole thing, like, yeah, you 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 haven't seen you haven't seen Mithrax in action, and like we as the guardians or even as the players have only seen Mithrax in like this like House of Light, like very much this um, I I don't want to say royal light, but like this like uh, benevolence, yeah. right? Like this this very light light hearted, he, like he's, you know, he's it, a very kind, open soul. Yeah. Yeah, but in this reading, it, it maybe not. Yeah, to have him described as uh, you know, he knows no mercy or forgiveness is almost the exact opposite to the Mithrax we know now. Yeah, uh, but apparently he wasn't always that way. And that's and that's mentioned a lot. Like uh, uh, again, a lot of the taunting, a lot of the dialogue between uh, Spider and and Ido and mm-hmm. and Drifter and Aramis and Mithrax throughout the 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 I can't remember the the name the actual name of the six man activity. Um, I think is it called Catch Catch Crash? I think it's called Catch Crash. Yeah. Okay. So the the Catch Crash activity and the Expedition activity, the three man where you're doing the treasure hunting, uh, both of those like all the dialogue that's happening there is is definitely talking or, or uh, implying a lot of like Mithrax was kind of a ruthless pirate lord possibly. Seems like it. Um and while we're on the the story of Mithrax as this apparently ruthless, unforgiving person, uh we get another little glimpse into that with the castaway shell. Um which again is from the seasonal uh pass, the season pass. Uh and the castaway shell goes like this. If Misrax and I have one thing in common, Spider rumbled, it's that we keep an eye toward the future. 
He turned delicate ghost shell over in his massive claw, admiring its elixny styling. Even when we lived from one raid to the next, stealing from anyone who crossed us, we always dreamed of more. He stared into the middle distance, briefly lost in reverie, including a place we could call home outside of that filthy catch. As it happened, Mistrax eventually granted me a whole planetoid of my own, he chuckled ironically to himself, just not in the way I had hoped. When I was finally picked up, I was no longer a raider, wanted throughout the system. He opened his arms wide, palms up. So I became Spider, a simple merchant with a bounty to collect. In hindsight, getting marooned on that forsaken rock was the best thing that ever happened to me. He shrugged nonchalantly. Maybe being stranded in the last city will serve me just as well. That's the end of that card. Is, is this another movie reference? I, uh, I, it feels very Pirates it's, of the Caribbean to me. Is, this, <laughs> is, Sp- is Spider implying that he is Captain Jack Sparrow? <laughs> uh, what, what is happening? <laughs> I, I think there are some parallels to be drawn with, uh, you know, with Barbosa and Mithrax, leaving I was Jack to on say, an island. Mithrax, and... Mithrax being ruthless, Barbosa, like right? No, Mithrax is, is Captain Jack. He's like lighthearted and like ah ha ha ha. No. Nope. Okay. All right. No. Well, clearly there's a past between them. Yes. I, li- I like the term relationship put in quotation marks here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so. Once upon a time, Mithrax and Spider were on a pirate crew together, and uh, Mithrax abandoned him on a, on a lone pla- planetoid, on a, a essentially a an aban- a abandoned island, and um, yeah. left him to die. And uh, yeah, it, so much time passed that apparently. He was no longer even wanted as a pirate by the time he was rescued. <laughs> that's that's got to be a lot of time. Yeah, uh, it does make you wonder how he survived out there that whole time, but that's somehow true. he did. I've got a I I haha! I did my homework this week, and <laughs> I found some readings that I wanted to read. So mine is super, just completely random. Uh, but after I read it, uh, I realized that it is a very exact thing. So, uh, um, for once, this is, and this may be the only time I'm allowed to do this. I actually get to do a reading. Um, so this is the seasonal, uh, machine gun planks stride. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, (laughs) it's a good one. So this one goes like this. Triumphant, triumphant Arax held the shimmering relic high over his head as he pushed through the glut of his cheering crew. Right where I said it would be, he shouted to roars of approval. Nothing to do now but to secure it in his hideout and wait for Aramis's arrival. You, Arax said, pointing out a dreg who stood at the edge of the, edge of the scrum, trying desperately not to be noticed. The drake looked around in desperate confusion. You, 
Arax shouted again, striding toward the dreg, who now tried unsuccessfully to melt into the crowd. You wagered against me bringing the relic back here, didn't you? Arax demanded, pushing the iridescent relic into the dreg's face. The miserable dreg shrank and shook his head. No, no, I... Tell the truth, Arax said patiently. The eager crew members pressed in close. The trembling dreg closed his eyes and nodded miserably. Arax frowned sympathetically. Say it, he sighed. Say it. I, I, I did, squealed the dreg, who buried his face in his hands. Arax nodded and let the dreg snivel quietly for a moment. The blunderbooth, he commanded flatly. Flatly. The crew erupted in exciting howling around him, then set upon the dreg and carried him off for punishment. And that's the end of that lore card. And that is a scene from the movie Hook <laughs> with, <laughs> with William Robin Williams as Peter Pan and the pirate that is being called out uh, is Glenn Close. <laughs> and the whole scene and i actually went and found the transcript and the whole thing like hook has got peter pan's kids hoisted above the deck and and he's talking to the crowd and he's like finally i'm going to kill peter pan that cocky boy who cut off my hand and fetished the crocodile who made him into a quiet clock who went to the other world and stole pan's children and then he turns to the crowd and says and who doubted me who amongst you does not belong someone here does not belong a stranger amongst the loyal few i will lead you out i will weed you out and he he points to the middle of the crowd and he says you you and he slowly makes his way he's like not you not you 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 bet against me bringing pan's pan back here didn't you and, he, and the the glenn close the pirates no and she and captain hook tell the truth tell your captain the truth say it and he starts he starts uh the, the pirate starts crying and sniveling and, i i did i did and he said you made a boo-boo didn't you i i did i did and he just turns the crown completely flatly the boo box and then like, the, the whole scene like i mean that is shot for shot the scene from the movie <laughs> and when i read the machine gun i was like oh my god this is awesome that's so yeah good. like that's that's my that's that's my I did my homework for the week and I got to do a reading. Yeah. So yay me. No, that's cool. I I know you had mentioned it was a reference to the movie, but I didn't realize how closely it lined up. That that's pretty fun. Oh my god. It's almost shot it, it's shot for shot. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. But yeah, so and, and like this whole pirate crew thing like that's it's it's there one of the lines that I'm remembering from the from the the seasonal stuff is Mithrax talking about how like once the whirlwind happened there was no light there was no there was nothing like the only thing that survived were the pirate lords the pirate crews and only the most most ruthless of them survived yes and but only because like that, that's the way it was like there was no other way for the Elixni people that they 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 had been they had their golden age they were they and it was ripped from them and now they're just kind of kind of planetless floatless like they, they there's nothing now mm -hmm. like they had they had everything and now there's nothing and all they all they knew at that point was the great machine and and how well it how well it provided for them and then to be turned to pirate to turn to piracy as a means of survival, right? Like that's the only way. 
Yeah. And and then and then to be as ruthless as as they described them, just cutthroats and and gangsters essentially. Yeah. Um so there there's two more pieces of weapon lore that I want to go over and then we'll get into the lore cards on the armor for the season and the armor kind of describes that period uh where yeah. immediately after the whirlwind uh and you know between the whirlwind and the elixni slash fallen showing up in the soul system um so let's get through uh these two weapon cards here uh and those are going to be tarnished metal and cry mutiny so i'm going to start with tarnished metal which is the scout rifle from the season um and i'm not going to go over the whole thing because really only the the last little bit of it is relevant uh to to the story you know the the overarching story that's going on with with aramis and whatnot um so generally speaking this card talks about a dreg uh named Vrisk who has survived a boarding from a rival pirate crew um, by hiding under the body of one of his fallen companions. Um, And uh, these attackers are ransacking the ship, looking for one of these relics that Aramis is after. So uh, this is about halfway through the card, and it goes like this. After the shooting stopped, Vrisk listened to their assailants ransack the ship. A mix of guttural cabal barks and familiar elixni chatter marked them as a competing crew, eager to claim the bounty set forth by the reawakened ship stealer. But Vrisk knew that their atta- what their attackers did not. The relic they sought was not on the catch, or even on this planet. It was hidden in a safe house, deep within the asteroid belt beyond Mars. Once Vrisk found the courage to emerge from his hiding place, he would take the relic to Aramis Kell himself and claim the reward for his own. That's where I'll stop. So really what I wanted to to draw from this is, um, again, like these pirate crews are not working together. They are scrambling against each other to see who can be the first one to bring their relic to Aramis to receive a reward. And so other than like the description that the, that the one pirate gave of it, this dark thing, and he knew what was inside. Do we know anything about these relics? Uh, Only the only thing we know about them outside of that is the one that we picked up as part of the first, uh, first week's story mission. Um, which essentially we're waiting for Ido and Mithrax to study it, to tell us what the heck it is. Yep. Uh, so hopefully we'll know a little bit more information about those come next week or, or likely, you know, a few weeks down the line. Um, sure. As they, they learn more about these relics, uh, presumably we'll find more as the season goes on. But uh, the other thing I, I thought was interesting here is um and maybe this is a, a throwaway line but Vrisk is saying that there's a pirate safe house deep within an asteroid belt beyond mars so there's a location in an asteroid uh or shrouded by this asteroid belt uh that is presumably has treasure so maybe we'll end up going there or something yeah 
Well, and, and I'm trying to think the the non-matchmate activity that seems to be once a week per character. Yes, I, I uh, believe so. It, it, that very much seemed like a just like an abandoned rock somewhere. Yeah, so maybe that that is in reference. Um, it could be. It could be that specific safe house, or like maybe there's multiple. I mean, presumably there would there be, multiple be multiple safe houses. Yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, it definitely seemed like a just a rock out out in space, though. Yeah. <laughs> but so just so, yeah. just a little uh, interesting little tidbit there. Um, so the last weapon I'm uh, gonna go over tonight is Cry Mutiny, which is the grenade launcher for the season. Um, and this one has a lot of really interesting information in it. Uh, so I'm going to read it in full and, uh, and it goes like this. Ithix crouched in the nest of beaten steel and twisted wires that choked her quarters. She curled her claws hesitantly around the relic and listened. The battered metal of her ship creaked around her, bolts twisting with the strain of the surrounding void. But there was no cause for alarm. Etherix had built it herself. Scrapworking was nothing unusual among the Elixni, but to Ethix, it was a calling. After the whirlwind, her crew had followed the debris trailing from the over-eager, under-prepared ships that had chose to leave and chase the great machine. As she sorted through the floatsum, it was as if the metal spoke. It would tell her what it wished to be, whispering its destiny. Over time, she and her ship grew strong, reinforced, bolstered by the remains of those who came before. But now this, this patch of fibrous blackness suspended in its onyx vessel, pulsing even now with intermittent light. It spoke to her with a voice of its own, and when she strained to hear its frantic whispers, the words were of her own destiny. No more than that, the destiny of all things. And she did not like what it promised. That's the end of that card. Like, like the destiny of the game, destiny. So this is this describes these little relics as seemingly something of dark. Um, yeah. You know, when we talked before about, uh, I believe it was Ithics, or uh, no, this is Ithics. Um, when we talked before uh, on the the spyglass uh, gun, I had I had presumed that. Um, the this was something from the it was elixir made because it was recognizable to that captain and he knew what it was and what what it would do and what it would require what what its cost would be uh right now it may not be necessarily of elixir make i still think it's pre whirlwind uh perhaps the elixir found slivers of dark power out there the same way humanity did during their golden age uh like the like the k1 right like the k1 anomaly um okay i mean what what's to say that the elixir didn't find their own you know remnants of darkness and tried to utilize them in some way the way bray did and uh 
you know, perhaps that's what called the witness to them and started their, their whirlwind, their collapse in the first place. So I'm curious then, could this be a, could this be an elixir thing that was either, either, I, I almost think that it's, it's an elixir thing that's post collapse, like post whirlwind, uh, that they, that has darkness in it, uh, darkness, the force, darkness, the power, uh, in it that they tried to use in the same way, like as a splicer would use the light. And they were just trying to figure out how to make it work. Maybe. I mean, the Elixni in general, and even it describes in this card, are very much the tinkerers. Are very much... Absolutely. They they want to use technology to interface with the powers around them. Yep. Uh, So that that would make sense if they were trying to find a way to use technology to interface with these fragments of dark or whatever it is that they, they found. And 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 the only reason why I think that the only reason why I think post collapse is because like while the great machine is there and 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 life is good life is happy light everywhere but then post collapse now they're struggling to to cope with that loss of light and trying to find something to fill it uh, or or find something to replace it uh, the only thing being darkness. Yeah, and it it could really go kind of anywhere pre solar system in there in the sure. Elixir timeline. Um, it could very easily be post collapse. I think that would make sense post whirlwind. Um, but I think it also you I wouldn't be surprised if it was pre whirlwind just because humanity did the same thing during our golden That's age. Right. That's when we had That's the right. K one anomaly and such. That's right. And that's and that was the whole thing with Bray, right? Like he looked at the light and mm-hmm. was like, "Well, screw that big ball! Like, why do I need to follow that? I've got, I'm the most greatest person on the universe. I'm gonna go listen to this darkness thing and make exobodies. <laughs> hey, look, it worked. Yeah, yeah. So it, I, yeah, I, I could see it from that point of view too, where it's like the Elixney. There could have been Elixney that looked at it, it was like, "Okay, cool, you found a great big ball. Great." I've had this this dark shit in a jar for months, and it talks to me. Does your ball talk to you? No? Okay, cool. <laughs> My stuff's way better. I'm going to figure out how to make this stuff work. Yeah, so, I can see it going either way. Yeah, so that, that kind of concludes the weapon lore that we're going to go over tonight. Uh, the legendary weapon lore, I should say, for the season. Um so now let's let's take a moment to talk about the armor from the season. Uh the lore cards on the armor are a little different. They don't they don't tell a singular story per se. It's more like multiple responses to an interview question. Uh yeah. essentially it seems like Ido perhaps is the one being talked to in these cards. Um, or, or it might be the guardian or, you know, it could be a number of, of people, but, uh, are going around to different, uh, people within kind of the Elixney quarter and, and the tower, um, and asking them 
Like, what are the old crews? What, what are these pirate crews? And each armor piece is a response to that question. Um, so the, the first one is, uh, I'm actually going to skip the helmet. Uh, it's spider giving his answer. I, and it is, although it is interesting to read and I, I encourage you to do so, it doesn't really give us a whole lot of information. Um, it's mostly just like, yeah, it was, it was rough times. It was the Elixney version of the dark age. Um, but that's kind of it. That's all we get out of that. So instead, we're going to start with the gloves, the the seasonal gloves. And uh, these entries are the same across all of the classes. So Titan, Hunter, Warlock will all have the same card on them. Um, but so these are going to be the catch killer gloves. And they go like this. The old crews, yes. I've gathered much information about them in the past weeks. In fact, I've just finished going over my notes. The old crews rose in the wake of the whirlwind, during what we Elixni refer to as the Long Drift, the span of time between the fall of Rhys and our arrival in the Soul System. I believe the equivalent period would be your Dark Ages, though Reese did not have Risen or Iron Lords. Instead, we had the Crews. As you can imagine, this period was quite lawless, as the stability and abundance of Reese was no more. This resulted in what I believe is called a zero-sum game, a situation in which every gain or advantage is earned at the expense of another. Several fearsome individuals rose to great power and authoritative prominence at the time. The Elixni word for them translates to catch-killer, meaning one who boards and wrests control of enemy ships. These catch-killers commanded great fleets and raided many supply routes, procuring objects of historic or intrinsic value along the way. It is exciting to wonder what treasures they accumulated beyond those we've recovered already. Many crews were abolished or disbanded over time, but those that survived did so through great hardship. They are formidable indeed. But then, so is the vanguard and its guardians. Thank you for asking about my research into the old crews and their significance. It is always a pleasure to talk about it. After all, what use is knowledge, if not shared? That's the end of that card. I think that's Ido. I I think so too. It's too it's too lighthearted to yeah. Like it's too innocent, right? Like the whole thing is like, yeah. Oh, I've totally been doing research, man. This is what I found. It, it reminds me of how someone, um, how how we or how like a little kid or something may talk about pirates. Uh, yeah. Because if you were to talk to somebody that lived through the age of piracy in you know, in England and, and uh, the British Isles and whatnot, they would have a very different opinion than what a modern day, you know, child or, or fan of, of the idea of pirates would now. I was going to say, like, I, I don't, I, I, I personally, in my, in my military time, had to deal with pirates. Uh, but I think my brother might have. Uh, 
and modern day pirates the ruthless and cutthroat is is like that's light talk to them like that's modern day pirates are bad full stop <laughs> so i can only imagine what uh what you know oh, yeah. 16th century it, pirates of the caribbean would have actually been like it wasn't all just you know, drinking in Tortuga, like, it, yeah, no, that's a lot harder life than that. Yeah, and it just, like, that's the vibe I get, is that this is probably Ido who's looking through this through the, the lens of, like, this fantastical, you know, time period in history and uh, finds it exciting and finds it exhilarating. And, um, you know, she's in the interesting uh, kind of situation where there are elixni that are still alive that were around during that period of time her father being one of them apparently oh sure and uh like i wonder if we're gonna see kind of a clash but here's here's prediction i think that the little seasonal like cutscene that they do for each seasonal story i think that cutscene this season is gonna be mithrax revealing just how awful he was to Ido to try and get I, I the point across right. of like, this is, this is what piracy, piracy means. is not the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. But so continuing, uh, we're going to move on to the catch killer chest piece. Um, and this one, I believe is the, uh, drifter that is speaking. Um, yeah, from the annex of the last city. So this one goes like this. The old cruise. Ain't much I can tell you that you couldn't get from Rahul, but I can't blame you if you'd rather stay awake for the whole story. Come on, loosen up, hero. If you think a grim expression is all it takes to move up through the vanguard, well, you may have something there. Okay, I'll start at the beginning. The Traveler chose the Elixni, and everything was great over in Reese until it wasn't. The whirlwind happened, the pyramids showed up, the Traveler took off through space, and from what I gather, it wasn't a pretty scene. Aramis was there for it, and credit where it's due. She picked herself up, grabbed a crew, and went after the Traveler. She cut through everything in her way, dead set on hunting it down. She wasn't the only one with that idea. Whole fleets of ships chase the traveler. Lawless days. Hopeless days. See, I was here for the Dark Ages. And when there's nothing but loss around you planet side, you can still find a rooftop, sit in a snowfield, you can go into a forest, find a moment of quiet, a little scrap of peace. Ain't like that on a ship. Things go from bad to worse and you just have to face it. And Aramis did. That takes a gut full of grit. Now don't think I'm writing love poems to the ship stealer over here. We find her. I'm drawn down quick as you are. But if the big old traveler blasted out of the sky tomorrow, you bet your entire vault we'd chase after it. We'd be the new crews, going after something we knew in our bones was ours, not stopping for anyone or anything that got in our way. And we'd still think of ourselves as the heroes, wouldn't we? That's the end of that card. 
that that last line there we we'd still think of ourselves as heroes i that makes me think of like that like history's written by the victors mm-hmm. thing like who's ever who's ever who's ever writing these who's ever recording these are recording them in in a in a in a colored light right like that that's why that's why ido sees some of this stuff as as being fantastical and and amazing and oh yeah pirates woohoo when it, when it's like Dude, these times freaking sucked. Like <laughs> we were we were starving to death over and over and over again because we were like you know risen whatever. Like yeah, no, like that's it. Yeah, I like that. I I I like that idea of like if the traveler took off tomorrow, you know, every every single guardian in the galaxy would probably just blow the vanguard off me. Like, well, I'm gonna trace that thing. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I? And and think of ourselves as the hero. And then whatever system it landed on, we'd be the invading force. Yep. And we'd be like, no, that's ours. We want it. It's you, we want it back. So yeah, I can I can definitely see that um, that thought and that point of view um, from from Aramis side as the Elixney looking at us in the soul system. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That uh, it just gives a little bit of perspective on yeah some of the invading uh, Elixni and Fallen when at least when they first got here who knows what what they're thinking now but uh, I was say a lot of time has passed yeah but you know it, it it offers some perspective and I think some you can understand a little more kind of where they were coming from when they came upon the Soul System um. So this one's interesting because I I don't know how it how it works. Uh so this is from the House Salvation catch in the Themis cluster. So I don't know how this interview happened, like how this person was approached to I was answer gonna say, this question. Like, <laughs> there there's only one House Salvation and that's Aramis's house like how salvation is the house of darkness, like how Mithrax is 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 house of light. This is like the antithesis. This is the darkness side of it. So, did 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 we just stroll in the front door <laughs> and like, hey, while I'm here, I'm not gonna gun you down. I'm just a news crew here for an interview. Right. That's kind of the vibe it gives. So I don't know about you, but if that happened in modern day piracy, somebody's getting shot. <laughs> but uh so yeah, regardless of how it happens, um this is the lore card on the catch killer boots. We are raiders and cutthroats, killing each other for bare survival. What else could we have become? You can't speak of us, the old crews, and their infamy without speaking of the whirlwind. Like hatchlings chittering for their mother, we were abandoned, weak, left to die. You all know what came after. We lived. We lived, and all we had were our lives. Great houses fell, and from their ruins rose the crews. We followed the traitor machine to this system and found the humans just as soft and weak as we had been, as reliant, helpless, and blind as the machine had made us. But the humans had taken it from us, and so they would pay with everything they had. And now, 
Now we remain where others have failed. Enemy ships quaver at the sight of our banners. They break against our hulls. And when we pick them clean of all they have, we find other prey and do the same. We know the truth in this system. We are only as strong as those we kill. And that's the end of that card. Almost feels like sword logic here. A little bit. A little, a lot bit. <laughs> a lot bit. Uh, yeah. No, absolutely. Like the, the mentality is survival at all costs. And that, that is the mentality yep. of sword logic. So definitely interesting gives, gives a, a very easy entry for darkness, you know, the witness to kind of take root and i i can see wanting to support house salvation because they're following you know that that line of thinking but uh what i also wanted to point out is the very last line because it sounds a tad familiar we are only as strong as those we kill we are only as strong as what we outlive there's a very similar idea from to aldrin Oh, shit. Now, I don't know that there's any grand conspiracy there, but I thought it was an interesting coincidence, and Mara did, once upon a time, say that Aldrin had finally found his people in the Elixir. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Interesting. Now, again, Aldrin, of course, is no more. It is Crow, uh, and Crow while still very much respects and wants the Elixni, wants overall what is best for the Elixni people, uh, I, I don't think he's going to swap sides or anything anytime soon. No, but it is, no, no, no. It is interesting to see that mentality mirrored here in House Salvation. We, we might see some, uh, um, some Crow and Elixni uh, interactions this season. Uh, just because the Elixni are very like, like you said with Mara, he found his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd, I'd, I'd love to see some, some crow Elixni interaction, uh, down in the Elixni quarter. Yeah, no, I think it would be great to see between crow and Mithrax or, and, or absolutely. Well, and crow and spider. Oh my God. <laughs> There's some unfinished business oh, there. Oh my God. That would be awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm I'm a hold out hope here. But now I'm starting to see all these little interviews as like, you know those like those uh those interviews you see in like documentary uh, uh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. when you're like flipping through channels and stuff. Like that's how I'm seeing this now. It's like there's this faceless interviewer and the other person sitting on the side, "Oh yeah, we we came across da da da." da and then one of them is just a blacked out face <laughs> with no with like a voice like Absolutely. a voice modulator that's like how salvation is like <laughs> it's got the voice that's exactly changer. What's, yeah, yeah, yep. that's exactly what's happening here. Is is a is a this is this is like the Dateline special of the <laughs> of of what was what what is Pirate Lord and why are we doing it? Oh <laughs> uh, yes, that is exactly what this is. I'm I'm seeing it now. Like for it. some reason, when you mentioned house them going to house salvation, that's what that's literally what's playing. So I don't even think it's the guardian now. Now I think it is just some random dude, <laughs> some random going around doing document. <laughs> yeah, like, there's some random documentary crew just like, hey, we're here to do documentary. 
okay, come on in, but don't show my face or voice because I don't want Aramis to find out that I'm talking to you people. Like, <laughs> when this gets out, she's going to go on a headhunt, and I'm not going to be the one missing. I'm not going to get docked or anything for this. Like, this, this ain't happening. Yeah. Oh, man. I like it. I, I like it. It's perfect. So, uh, we're going to finish off the armor pieces with the class item. Um, and uh, this one is from definitely from uh, Mithrax is the one answering the question yep. here. Uh, and it goes like this. What makes a house? It is a good question. And one that many Elixni do not think on often enough. For humans, a house is a place. But for Elixni, a house is a family. It has a culture, a philosophy of living shared by all. That is why the House of Light survived, even when we fled Europa. Even after the ship-stealer took all we had, we were bound not by place or possessions, but as family. Cryptarch Matsuo asked me why the old crews are not considered houses. It is a wise question, one that, perhaps, does not have a singular answer. I think it is because those who lead the old crews do not wish to be true Kells. A Kell is responsible for the safety and prosperity of their house. It is an honor and a burden. Those you call pirate lords wish only to take. They give nothing, even to their own people. Each raider is responsible only for themselves. A crew is expendable. A family is not. The old crews live a sad life. One best left in the past. That's the end of that card. Now, now I'm just seeing this even more as one of those... Like, he even repeats the question back to the interviewer. <laughs> like, come on. This is... This is... Uh... Okay. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so I I like what 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 Mithrax is is saying there. Like, you know, what's the difference between a pirate crew and a kell? Like, and we've talked about this before too. Like, a kell is everything. A kell is is respected. A kell is looked up to. A kell is the leader of their house. Like, it's and and even like even like Mithrax says, it's more than just a a, a hierarchy of um of of uh like a like a military hierarchy right like it's it's more than that it's family it's it's every person looking out for everyone else every person responsible for every other person whereas the pirates they're they're all cutthroats and cutthroats and and gangsters and everyone every man for himself like you know a crew's expendable you know the guy falls off a ship up oh, sucks to be that guy he let he got he fell behind he gets left behind so yeah no it's it's I I like I like this one. I really like this card, as well as the armor itself. Like the yeah, and and at least for the warlock, I, the the bond is very good looking and takes shaders very very well. Yeah, there is definitely some good fashion going on this season for sure. Yes. Um. So the the last piece of uh, lore that I want to go over tonight that is uh, purely focused around the season of plunder specifically is going to be the sparrow um called Buka's Jolly Boat that is also from the seasonal pass um and it 
talks about a scenario that we actually just uh, just discussed and just said we'd like to see. So uh, we're we're not the only ones that want to see that play out. Oh man! But uh, so the lore for this is as follows: Mara Sov, Queen of the Reef, looked expectantly at Petra and waited for an answer. The queen's emissary averted her eyes. My queen, she said, we recovered a vast trove of supplies stolen from us over a period of many years. We've located treasures long thought lost and... Do not avoid the question, Mara said, her words edged with steel. Petra gritted her teeth. We did not recover the spider, she said. It is believed he sealed himself in a pod and transported himself in one of the very shipments that was intercepted by Aramis's forces. Mara tented her delicate fingers. Between her palms, she formed a tiny triconhedron of matter resembling rose quartz. She spun the minuscule shape, tracking each of its thirty faces lining each vertex with a tiny fractal arm that spun off into a curled fern of endless geometric detail. By doing this, she quelled the sudden urge to cleave the dreaming city in two, a reaction which would have discomfited Petra. Petra allowed herself a measured chuckle, knowing it would draw Mara's furious eyes to her, and it did. It was time for the ridiculous denouement. We have received word that Spider now resides in the last city, Petra said, daring a shrug. The tiny crystalline structure abruptly fell to sand between Mara's hands. She cocked her head to the side, unable to hold back her incredulous smile. She shook a finger at Petra. When I want him, Petra brought a fist to her chest and nodded. You need only give the word, my queen. Mara shook her head, boggling at the spider's improbable path. Will Crow, she began, but couldn't find the right word to contain the breadth of justice she imagined. Petra grinned. I guess we'll find out. And that's the end of that card. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Though I had to look up that word too, but then like after, like I stopped reading in the middle of that when I first read it, looked up that word, and then realized they said what it was. This next sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a thirty sided thing, and then I felt dumb for not just continually reading. So on on one hand, it's very like Mara's like, oh, I hope Crow meets Spider. While he's in the city, because she wants yes. to see that that justice, yes, just as much as we do. Um, Everybody does. But I don't want to gloss over the fact that Mara is apparently fully capable of cleaving the dreaming city That's in what, two. And, and what the hell? What? What is she? What? Yes. First off, yes. Second off. She just like starts forming this thirty sided thing and's like, <laughs> what is she gonna do with that? Was was that literally her thirty sided Rubik's cube? 
essentially i think so that's that's her like i need to zen out and be calm so i'm gonna make this little thing out of nothing and watch (laughs) it for a minute like that's what i feel like she did like petra tells her this and her first reaction is to pick no not pick up create a 30-sided freaking rubik's cube and start playing with it to stop her from cut from destroying the dreaming city what yeah so uh i don't maybe somebody needs i i'd I'd say maybe somebody needs to see anger management but clearly she's got it contained i mean i like she has her she has her focus uh you know how before we were like is mara a god has she reached god she might be a god she i think i think she might be i think i think the whole can destroy the dreaming city with a thought yep. is a pretty good indicator that yeah yep. she's she's there she she's god she sorry she is a god that's a, yeah. she is <laughs> make that distinction real quick <laughs> amongst the very large destiny pantheon at this point yes yes but so uh that kind of caps off the season specific stuff um so, but there was another thing that came out, and that is the King's Fall raid. And oh my God. while this is a returning oh my raid, God. there are probably many people that have not had a chance to play it until you know just now. Um, so not gonna go over everything about King's Fall. Um, honestly, if you're oh, interested, I will. If you're interested in Oryx and uh, the various members of his family that you see in the king's fall raid uh we did a whole book of sorrow series um, sure did where we talked at length about all of them and where they came from and theorized on things so uh, i'm gonna direct you there for the long version but uh there are a couple of things about the king's fall raid that people may not be aware of the first of which being that every weapon in that raid, although it does not have a lore card, has uh, at least a line of flavor text, and every weapon in that raid is named uh, after a being. After a, I, I, I hesitate to say person because we don't know most of them. Right. Um, but when you look at these weapons, they're very much weapons made of hive chitin and bone and sinew like they're they're very they look like they were pulled or or created out of a skeleton of something yeah i I love their look that's because they were uh (laughs) they literally were they literally were the name of the weapon tells you who that weapon was made from which is pretty gnarly doesn't that just like doesn't that just isn't that just like a mind fuck like you're you're running around with some dude's femur as your gun barrel yeah yeah take that in for a second and at now least, go kill people with it at least one of these names is somebody that came from the soul system specifically defiance of yasmin is I believe the scout rifle from King's Fall? Uh, sniper. Sniper. Okay. Sniper rifle from King's Fall. So I want to point out Defiance of Yasmin specifically because not only is uh, Yasmin, the, the person mentioned uh, there, 
that this gun was made out of. Um, from the soul system, Yasmin was in fact an awoken paladin that fought in the original uh, attack on the dreadnought. Uh, so the the flavor text from Defiance of Yasmin um, is just a single line. It says, shields up, protect the queen, brace for impact, save the queen, and it cuts. And it is quoted as Paladin Yasmin Eld. And if we look at the lore card for Telesto, you had you had to bring Telesto. I had into to bring this. Telesto into this. You had to bring. <laughs> well, if you're going to bring Telesto into this, I'm going to bring Telesto into this. Go ahead with yours, and then I have one. So Telesto's lore card um, includes this paragraph. It said it, uh, and the lore card is a transmission from one paladin um, to Petra after the Taken War. And it says, still no sign of primary objectives. Continued survey of the remaining 100,000 square kilometers of space is underway. But as an armada paladin of the Awoken, it is my duty to officially recommend declaration of the death of the following. Paladin Yasmin Eld. Paladin Leona Bryle. Paladin Abra Zire. Paladin Pavel Nolg. Tekian Shiro. Tekian Sadia. Tekian Kali, and the Awoken Queen, Marasov. Remember, this is post-Taken uh, War, but Mara has not re-emerged at this point, so they're, they're assuming her dead. But yeah. Paladin Yasmin Eld is included in the list of dead, and uh, Oryx, Oryx did our trick and turned his enemy into a gun. Boom. See, kids, you can totally use the power of dark to make your enemies into guns. Just like we use the power of light to do it. Yeah. Or in another gun's case, we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> so you brought Telesto into this. I'm going to bring Telesto into this. All right. The One of the seasonal uh, sparrows in-game. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a Telesto sparrow. And the flavor text is they say it was made from the wreckage of a harbinger. They say it can break anything. <laughs> it's when you when you speed along, it's a Telesto bolt on the back end of it. it. <laughs> it and the whole it's Telesto. It's freaking Telesto as a sparrow and it even says it can break anything. Way to go, Bungie. Yep. So speaking of turning your enemies into guns. Uh, yes this one this one oh my god i'm i'm steeping my fingers trying to create this <laughs> dodecahedron no that's only 12 try dodecahedron would that be 36 yes haha -ha, i beat you mara there you go uh sided thing so uh for those not in the know there uh the exotic from king's fall has returned this time as a drop instead of a quest but is it exotic known as the Touch of Malice? I, I fucking love this gun. I, I'm, I'm stealing your thunder for a second, Myth. I love this gun. When I first... So Taken King was my first thing of Destiny. And, and when I would look through you know collections and look through different stuff... Obviously, we didn't have collections back then. But when I looked through pictures of stuff and found this Touch of Malice-looking gun, I was like... The animation on the on the thing 
in there, which obviously we're going to talk about. It just blew my mind, and I was like, oh my god, this is the coolest, like, edgelordiest gun in existence in this game, and I need it. And then I finally got it, and I was like, oh my god, this gun is amazing. And I have been, ever since Tommy's matchbook, like pre-Tommy's matchbook, I was like, I want Touch of Malice back. I want this gun in D2. And there we go. Bungie listened and was like, here you go. They didn't listen specifically to me. They listened to my subliminal thoughts that I just waved out into the ether and was like King's Fall. And of course, with King's Fall, the only exotic that anyone could think of that would come back with it is Touch of Malice. So there it is. And it is awesome. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, this gun is crazy uh, from a PVE standpoint. It does pretty good work in PVP too. But uh, yeah, and say it leaving gameplay for a moment and coming back to the lore of it um touch of malice is literally made from the heart of oryx uh oh it, it is it, the the story of touch of malice in d1 where there's this whole big quest line is uh you like you tear the heart of oryx out of his dead corpse and give it to eris morn and she turns it into the touch of malice gun turns it into the power source for the touch of malice gun. And that, that power source is very similar to what we saw last season. And I think I, I, I think I took a picture of it and sent it to you at one point in time. The, 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 uh, the seasonal artifact has that same mm-hmm. like multi ring thing orbiting a thing at the center, uh, literally identical to touch of malice. And when I saw that last season, I was like, Okay, the animation's in game now. It the touch of malice has got to be coming back. Yeah. So that I was super stoked to see that, and to see that it's it, to not to see that power source in not only a gun but another device that Eris used. So Eris is definitely very familiar on how to make these multi-ring circular orbital things with a power source at the center of it and make it into something that is usable for us the guardians well and i think what that is that that you know orbital kind of containment is is that i think eris has learned how to contain hive magic oh, yeah. in, in oh, these yeah. bands in some way probably probably a more efficient version of what of her rock right yeah probably i would think so so um and she can apparently do that even when it's the a piece of a god of the hive like the god of the hive um yeah so i'm gonna read the lore card for touch of malice uh and we're gonna talk about a little bit and then i want to talk about something it does in gameplay in the shooting of the gun that actually informs us also a little bit of the lore for it So the lore card for it goes like this. Here I am with the power to craft from my enemy's darkest secrets a weapon that could wound them at their core. So what stays my hand? When I behold the interiority of these cold, cold fragments, I see blind, squirming creatures. Every wound they give they feel also upon themselves. Every bite they tear from the light only deepens, never fills the raging emptiness beneath their terrible mouths. The voices are as loud as ever, 
my nightmares just as bitter. My coal-black hatred burns as hot. But I feel something else now. Could it be? No, I refuse it. I will build this weapon. Let them feel every lash, every curse, every touch of malice that they first dealt to me. Eris Morn. And that's the end of that card. Yeah. So suck it, hive. <laughs> why I think this is important, and this this lore card has not changed between D one and D two, but uh, there were when we read this during our Books of Sorrow series, there was a set of uh, of cards that came out um, after. Try to remember when they came out. I, 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 oh, the the collector's edition for Shadowkeep. Oh, oh, okay. Right? Yeah, it was the, yeah, the yeah, ARG. Yeah. Yep. Um, and in those, it talked about the hive, the those, uh, you know, the followers of Oryx that had been abandoned in his death, were theorizing that Eris was to be the next taken king slash queen, that she was supposed to take his throne because she was the mastermind that ultimately led to his downfall, even if the guardians were the instruments of it. And I think what we might be seeing here where Eris is saying like the voices are as loud as ever. And I feel something else now. Could it be? No, I refuse it. I think that's her recognizing that if she wanted to, she could have usurped his throne rather than make this gun. I think you're right. I think well, and 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 this this is kind of like looking back on on all of that now, knowing what we know about the witness and the and the disciples and all that stuff. Could we think of Oryx as, or, or I guess is Oryx a disciple of the witness, or is he just like a pawn in everything? Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I think maybe we. I think you could make an argument either way. On one hand, okay. the witness gave him the power to take or taught him the power to take. Um, right. So, like, he's gifted him power. It, Oryx very clearly, you know, uh, followed the teachings of the witness for a very long time before his oh, eventual yeah. downfall. Um, Billion years. So I suppose that might qualify as being a disciple, even if he's never specifically stated as one. Sure. Maybe, maybe not given like the title, like, like is the, is, is disciple of the witness a title just like Callus now has Herald of the Witness. I, I think it is um, because Rulk is explicitly called disciple of the witness. Yeah. Uh, and they had mentioned in some of the witch queen lore that we talked about in our witch queen episode, uh, that the witness was kind of expecting Savathun to become another yep. disciple. Um, so you could argue that because he never explicitly named Oryx a disciple, Oryx wasn't one. Uh, okay. Or, you know, you could say like we didn't know what disciples were until well after Oryx was already dealt with, so maybe he was, yep. and we just never knew it. Yep, that makes me question: Why did King's Fall as a as as a raid come back to Destiny? Why did we return to King's Fall 
other than because video game and King's Fall was awesome? I think the answer to the question is largely because video game and because they didn't want to finish out the light and darkness saga without giving all the players the opportunity to experience one of the darkness's greatest champions. Sure. Um, However, I can see that. However, uh, I do have not a lore reason for it being in the game, but some it being in the game gives us some hints at things that we didn't pick up on the first time around with it. Uh, okay. That I'm not going to talk about until we get to our bonus God portion of this dang episode. It. I thought I was going <laughs> to sneak it out of him. I thought I was going to sneak it out of him, but I have to be patient. You have to be okay. patient. Um, I have to be patient. So speaking to, to Touch of Malice here, uh, it's made out of Oryx. Eris Morn made it. Uh, you know, resisted the urge to, you know, I'm theorizing take up his power and become the next, you know, become the next taken queen, I guess. Oh, yeah, that that was going to be my other question. Do we think that it was the witness whispering to her or Toland? If if she's dealing with the heart of Oryx, I think it is absolutely the witness at that point. Gotta be, right? Yeah. Like, because Toland, like, Toland is there, like, even in the, he's watching us take down oryx yeah like, toland was in the room when we took down oryx and he was telling us to take the throne yeah so yeah for as much as toland thinks he knows everything i don't think he knows everything <laughs> I, I don't think he knows shit <laughs> yeah no the the little and and he's he's actually in the raid as well like the when you're when you're fighting the sisters right before oryx and while you're fighting oryx uh the little blight that's that's mm-hmm. popping around that's that's Toland. Presumably that is Toland. Like he's he's there, like, hey, come use the power of dark. Come come to the ascendant plane and deal with the power of dark to help deal with the king of darkness. Ha 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 ha. Now take his throne. And we're just like, oh look, loot. Yeah. And he's like, guys, throne, take it, go. And we're just like, shiny, pretty loot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We are easily distracted. Uh <laughs> we are. Canonically. Yeah. But so we have this touch of malice gun, um, which Oryx actually planned for himself to be turned into the touch of malice or, or a weapon in some sort, uh, at the end of books of sorrow. Uh, again, final plug, go check out our series on those. Cause this is all in there. Um, Oh yeah. He talks about like, he has a contingency plan for if something were to come along that could defeat him that he would give it an incentive, whatever that something was, to continue to use a part of him as a weapon to then further its conquest. And in that way, Oryx would continue to live on in the same way that the Whisper of the Worm Gun is the continuation of... um, of, uh, Zol. Zol? Yeah. Um, So... This was kind of all to Oryx's plan in a way. But what is interesting about the Touch of Malice this time around in the game uh, is that it does some extra things in D2 that it did not in D1. Uh, So for those that aren't aware, the weapons of sorrow that we know of in D2 at the moment uh, consisted of the Osteostriga, and thorn 
And we knew they were weapons of sorrow because they explicitly uh, interacted with the necrotic grips um, exotic gauntlets. And it was stated by Bungie that those gauntlets, their, their like poison wave effect uh, is tied to weapons of sorrow. Well, Touch of Malice has a secondary fire now where after you've uh, uh, built up 10 stacks, so the way Touch of Malice works is you, you fire it until it gets down to one bullet. It's magazine never empties, but it start it pulls bullets from your health essentially. Uh, so that yeah. one bullet will always remain, but it will deal damage to you every time you fire it. Uh, when you, I believe, deal damage 10 times with that final bullet. I think so. You get a secondary ability on the gun, which is that it shoots a giant blight, similar to a Taken Captain, the big like yep. black orb. That blight procs necrotic grips and whatever that blight hits it gives uh like a, a five second or so uh damage debuff for touch of malice but not for most other weapons however it does give that debuff to thorn and osteostriga so it is just really confirming through gameplay that Touch of Malice is absolutely our third weapon of sorrow. And a weapon of sorrow created by one of us, by, by Eris yeah. Morn. Um, Boom. Though I suppose Thorn was created by a Guardian as well, if you think about it. Right. Dredgen, Dredgen Yor. Yep. Right. Or no. Uh, Razil Azir uh, at, at that time. Yep. That's right. Yep. That's right. Uh, but I, I don't want to take credit for this discovery because this was discovered by uh, the YouTuber Cool Guy. He is, in fact, a cool guy. Yeah. Really, really good content creator. Uh, if you don't watch his videos, recommend it if you're interested in kind of the, the PvP, especially, side of the game. I was going to say, I think, I think we actually faced him once. I think, I think some of our clanmates are in one of his videos for one of his reviews i think so yeah that was that was a cool thing to find like when when you're like oh hey i'm the guy he killed yay that's me (laughs) but he discovered this uh or at least was the first that i heard about it that discovered this um this interaction with touch of malice so credit to him on discovering that but really really cool lore implications for it both him and Ascross, their videos came out very very uh similar time frame for touch malice and and they both they both found that it 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 absolutely interacts with with uh, necrotic um but only the only the blight portion of it right only like the just blight, yeah just just that secondary thing so it's it's yeah i i think that's i think that's super cool haven't haven't gotten it yet of course we've all i, I guess I, have you run it three times yeah i have okay so you, three for you two for me uh but the thing's only been out for like three days, so mm-hmm. we'll get it eventually, yeah. for sure. We'll get it. Um, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna turn away from the purely seasonal content now, and do a little bit of a bonus episode. Ba, 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 ba. Bonus episode unlocked. So we're gonna start with the two uh, items that came with the uh, pre-order 
of Beyond Light. Uh, those are the Speed Metal Shell, Ghost Shell, and the Quicksilver Storm Exotic Auto Rifle. Uh, these, the two lore entries from these connect with each other, and they have some really interesting implications. Uh, Hell yeah. For Beyond Light and Neptune and all sorts of things. So, we're going to start off with the Speed Metal Shell. And it goes like this. I should have missed this speck of a station on the way to Pluto, except that for its lack in size, it was surprisingly warm, almost a full degree above the background of space, practically a flare. My ship's engine whirred through the cool down as I step out into the landing bay. It's a stock design. Years ago, I could probably tell you which floor plan it used from Fabrian Din's showroom. Ishtar registration, probably an observatory forgotten in the collapse. But what's waiting past the hatch isn't stock. Atmo gear. Shiny and new. Someone's been here since the collapse. I unshoulder my rifle and warm up her power cell. A handprint. Grease and dust pressed sharp against the white wall, sized for a cabal, but five fingers? There's more. A smear of rippling silver and broken bits of something familiar. Too big for a gun, but maybe for that hand. A rustle behind me breaks the silence, and I fire. Don't shoot, Exo, a small voice begs. I'd, I'm just Toki. Her glowing lens pokes out from behind the doorframe. A ghost? Why are you here? I heard the call. The call? To a guardian? There's no humans this far out. Well, I know that now. Her body ripples in the light, looking oddly familiar. What's up with your shell? Oh, you you like my silver? My friend showed it to me. Another ghost was crazy enough to come out here with you? No, ma'am. I'd met her here. Her fins coax something into view. A beautiful little mess of ribs and sails with six bright eyes appraising me. I reach for it, and Anna's tiny hand pulls me into a hug. Her dress is dirty and she's crying. Grandfather's totally gonna freak. It's okay. I'll help, I say as I pet her hair. I start as Toki's friend slithers into my hand and coos. I'll help, I realize. That's the end of that card. Is, is, is it the fish? So the person narrating this is absolutely Elsie Bray, the Exo Stranger. And... Right. It is absolutely the fish that she just discovered. It's a fish! It's a fish! So, a few things to point out here. Uh, She finds this large, five-fingered handprint on this otherwise abandoned abandoned facility, but that has recently been used. Uh, It's got to be a Cloud Strider. Absolutely a Cloud Strider, which just informs us to the, the size of these. Um, the size for a cabal. Yeah. Like, holy shit. 
evolution has definitely done something to him. Yeah, it brings my mind back to the um, post uh, showcase uh, interviews that they did, where one of the devs said that Cloud Striders are massive. Like they they said, yeah. Guardians are tall, but Guardians are going to have to look up to talk to Cloud yeah. Striders. So is this? I, I was trying to say, is this is this the Soul Systems? Now, now I guess. <sighs> I, this has to be an event that happened pre, um, pre Beyond, Beyond Light. Light. Yeah, because this is when Elsie finds the the little fish. Exactly. That was that was going to be my thing. Is like when does when does this event play, take place? Is this the first mention of a of a Cloud Strider? Like would would this be the first interaction that Elsie would have with a Cloud Strider? Like, I, I it feels like it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and she finds this little ghost named Toki. And it's worth pointing out that Toki is there because they felt the call. As in yeah. their guardian was yeah. out here. Um Are we gonna are we gonna see Guardian Cloud Striders? Maybe. I, I mean Cloud Striders. That's the implication, right? Cloud Striders only live for ten years, so they probably. Well, just just the Cloud Strider, uh, yeah, just the Cloud Striders themselves. Yeah, but the people themselves, like the people that they're guarding, could they? Yeah, could they be? It, I, I, they they should be just as eligible as any anyone that lives in the city, I would think. Yeah. So interesting implications there. We we may have some guardians coming to us from neptune uh perhaps Not, even former I guess they would cloud be guardians Striders. right they just light light bearers light bearers yeah would yep. be a better yeah that would present now now i guess this again i'm focusing so much on this lightfall stuff because i'm just so like ah, i want it now <laughs> but uh um do we know if if this settlement on neptune has been like watching us or or the soul system or anything like i we don't really have a way to know but the fact that cloud strider was off neptune at this observatory yeah makes me think that they've been keeping an eye on things that's yeah i would i would say so okay but we also see the very first interaction between elsie and little fish uh, and the fish communicates in a very intriguing way. The fish <laughs> communicates to her by dredging up a memory. Yep. Which memory is tied to dark. Yep. That's and that's what I was going to ask her, and because that, that was the that was the thing that confused me when I first read this entry was like, is is she having a flashback or what's happening here? But that's that's the fish like trying to commune with her. Yeah, that, that the fish touches her, and to get its point across, to get to get its point across of like, I'll help you. It pulls yeah. a memory from her mind where she was saying the same thing to Anna in this case. You know, I'll help oh you, Anna. God. It's okay. The fish is telling Elsie, "I'll help you," and it's doing that okay. yeah. via like trying to use this memory to get its point across. And that's that's darkness. That's what we've been dealing with the whole time in, with Sabathun. Absolutely, like that's that's yeah. So these so so then are th- is this a darkness ghost? I, I we don't know. 
Um, I have so we, many questions. We don't know about what this, this what this now. fish is. Uh, I don't think it's a darkness ghost personally. Um, okay. Just because, like, I, I don't know. It just it seems like there would be more of them if that were the case. And right. we haven't ever seen, like, with Rulk being raised by the witness and all, like, the witness doesn't have a reason to make ghosts or ghost-like things. Uh, and he didn't have any issue, you know, repairing Rulk and bringing him to his side. Uh, on his own. Oh, right, because like the slithering darkness vein right. stuff that like starts to pull the 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 one guardian starts to consume like pulls his leg together and he shoots the thing and explodes it yeah. with a sparrow. Okay, yeah, no, I guess you're right. And and as far as like a ghost, like what is the function of a ghost? It's to raise a, to, a an army and, essentially and channel light. No, I think yeah, I I still think this fish. Uh, and we're going to read Quicksilver Storm, which is going to support this. This fish, I'm almost 100% sure, is a crafted being from Neptune. Holy shit. And I think this tells us that the Cloud Striders and the people of Neptune, they don't have any qualms about using dark, the, using darkness, the Force, to power their technology. Okay then. Uh, so well, let's get into it. Let's. This is Quicksilver. Go. This is the Quicksilver Storm. Uh, and it goes like this. Boot up. Failed. Error. Boot up. Failed. Error. Boot up. And it's kind of just going through a bunch of diagnostics here, and then it says proximity, three, exo model Bray special, Puka. Juvenile. Unknown. Extreme caution. Paracausal. Unknown. You said we were going home. I don't want to be on Ganymede. There's no one here. Exo. That's the point, Toki. No one dies if this gray if this goes gray goo on us. Register unknown as Toki. Exo. This housing and frame replicate the scans I took. Not sure why it won't fire. Biometric, unrecognized. Toki, if this doesn't work, may I have my pretty silver back? I like it better on me than in a gun. Exo, your accessory came from a gun. Someone in the outer system is using weaponized nanomachines. I haven't seen that. Toki, that shouldn't mean you can just take other people's things. Exo, I've seen everything, Toki. Puka, contact call. Exo, almost everything. Exo, but I can't figure out from the scans how the original design propelled anything. Toki, isn't that why you kept the piece of the original barrel? Exo, no. Someone spent some time etching that motto by hand. Seems respectful to keep it. Toki, I will never understand guardians. Exo, so someone out there has a weapon I've never seen before don't understand, and don't know how to defend against. The closest thing we've seen to this is Siva, and these bugs are far beyond that. Puka, unison call. Exo, get off that fish. Key, Puka, designating, verified, add user, yes. 
Exo, dumb little critter, you'll blow yourself up. Go on. Toki, my silver is moving, Elsie. Register, Exo model, Bray special, equal, Elsie. New user registered, Elsie. So if this is the barrel, calibrating, Elsie. And this is the magnetic bottle, calibrating, Elsie. Pulling the trigger should set section off around, but then what actually fires discharge, Elsie? Puka, distress call. Toki, what did you do? Elsie, I didn't change anything. The nanite colony must build each round with a, a solid state impeller coil. That small? That's like golden age tech. Tell Elsie, no. We never had anything like this. That's the end of that card. I, I, I really love this card for multiple reasons. One, there's like a cuteness innocence about it. Yeah. Uh, with the whole like puka distress call, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then there's like the there's like the the program of it. Like, is the gun talking? The gun is not talking verbally, but the gun, it is absolutely going through programming logic. It's actively programming. Yeah. It is, it, you know, we see that at the initial boot up, failed, boot up, failed, boot up, failed. And then finally it restores itself and it knows yeah. in its proximity, there's an exo model, which is a Bray special edition. That's what blows my mind. Is it knows that it's an exo? A that it knows that it's an exo. B that it knows that it's a Bray make, and C that it knows that it's a special edition Bray. Yeah, because Elsie's the only one of her kind. So it knows that that Elsie is there with these classifications. It knows that a puka, a juvenile puka, is yeah. there, which is the little fish. By the way, that's what they're which called. Pre- which presumes that pukas can grow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to see a big puka. <laughs> we probably will come, you know, February. I'm excited. And it knows paracausal bodies. It knows that it's paracausal. It knows there's an unknown, extreme caution paracausal thing here, which is the ghost yeah. token. Uh, and it, uh, it, it's learning as it's listening to the conversation. Yeah. It's attaching names to these, these, you know, things that are around it. Uh, and, and registering them as users. Register, well, and it, it, know, it can understand to a degree what the puka is doing. So um, yeah. we see when, uh, when Elsie is saying, Toki, I've seen everything. And then the Puka contact call. I think that is the Puka is contacting Elsie to call a memory to communicate. Oh, and then Elsie is saying, okay, okay, okay fish, almost everything. Uh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> and, uh, and then I like that. When we get to the, you know, further down where, uh, Elsie is saying, like, look, the closest thing we've seen to this is Siva, and this is so far beyond what Siva can do. And then we see Puka, unison call. That's the fish uh, calling a function, is how I'm interpreting it, um, calling yeah. the function to uh, link to 
make a union with the gun in Elsie's hand. Oh, and the okay. puka is using its key. So it says key equals puka, uh, you know, designation verified. So the puka has access to this thing's programming, and the puka fish is the one that then adds the user for Elsie so that it will Holy fire for her. Holy shit. And it, it, it doesn't fire on a trigger pull, though. It fires on, like, a... Like, she gives the command... She says, fire, and that's the that's the command. Yeah. Like... like and then it discharges. And then you get yeah. Puka, distress call. <laughs> distress call, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, this thing is... This thing is fucking cool. And this is... This, that's the silver that's on the ghost. When you go look at the mm-hmm. ghost in game, there's this silver shit on it, and they reference it as Siva. And this is something that you and I theorized, Myth, is that if this is if this is um, the the Neptunians, uh, we presume that they could have had Siva with them, and this could be the evolution of Siva. And I think that is only supported by the flavor text on the gun. Which says yeah. three words carved by hand: affinity, yeah. altruism, awareness. Yeah. Where uh, this is Siva. I, this yeah. is the evolution of Siva. Through. Oh my God. Because if I if I, re- if I recall correctly, the three the three words for Siva were um like replicate. Uh, I'm not gonna remember the other two. But oh, the ones. Well, there was the ones that uh, that Rasputin. There's the ones that Rasputin commands it. Yeah, and it was like it was like replicate, consume, repeat type thing. Yeah, Yeah. something like that. Um, So yeah, the same thing. Like there are three words that appear to be commands in in a similar sense to this nanite technology. Here's the thing, though. Here, not not only not only does this does a couple things. This tells me that the puka and this gun come from the same place because they can interface with yep. you, with each other yep. they recognize each other uh yep. this also tells me and i think this is the most important part of this card elsie says i've never seen this before yeah and Elsie's been through many timelines. That means in all of the timelines that Elsie has been in, of all of the timelines where the darkness won, where she saw the war, the final war fought, Neptune has never been in play until yep. now. Yep. So Guardians make their own fate. Something something special about our timeline allowed for Neptune and and the Cloud Striders to be around to maybe be what decides whether we win or not. So, uh, really, really cool. It's everything about it. Everything about it. I love this gun. <laughs> these, these two pieces of lore out, out of everything here, right? Like out of everything we've talked about tonight, those two pieces are the two that I am most like super intrigued with and super just like drawn to these two, the speed metal shell and the and and the quicksilver gun and the and all the animations with them and the, all the lore tied to those two, there, there's there's something there. There's there's something big there. And I love that that the that the connection to Siva I think has been made. Like yep. this this is an evolution of Siva. Um, I love that it's it's this is kind of like the first 
like glimpses of the cloud striders of of like you know there's something else out in the universe besides us the guardians uh and of and of course the fallen and the cabal and the vex and the darkness and the blah, blah, blah. so yeah that's that's i love these two pieces of lore no me too i am and, and, very and very puka. excited we get our own puka i'm so <laughs> excited if you pre-order the physical version and this isn't like a plug to go pre-order stuff but i mean if you love destiny as much as as myth and i do uh you should absolutely go go try to get a, a pre-order in on the collection edition, the physical version uh you get a puka you, yep. you get a fish like you get a physical fish and i can't I can't stop squealing over this thing. I'm so excited. <laughs> Even though it's like six months from now, I'm still I'm super excited, and I and I'm I'm happy to finally have a, a puka. Oh yeah, and have a name for it too, other than fish. Other than fish, or or like a drifter sitting there. What are you? <laughs> yeah, I love that interaction because that was just drifter saying what everyone in the community was wondering. What, what like... literally everyone was thinking. Yeah, but so normally, that's where we would end the episode tonight. However, but you have promised me a secret, damn I, you. I have, I have a secret to tell. Uh, 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 hopefully, revelation. Maybe, hopefully, it will be as big a revelation for you as it was for me. Um, okay, so I'm ready. We're gonna have, a, we're gonna have a, a little longer episode tonight. Kind of make up for the shorter ones we did last week. Elbows on knees. I'm ready. So we're gonna talk about Strand. Now we discussed what they showed off of the super in the showcase already with our, our showcase episode. Um, however, had some time to sit on and think about strand and mull over strand. And actually it is King's fall that made, that sent me down this rabbit hole. Um, I was thinking, you know, strand in the showcase is described as, Guardians seeing the threads of energy that connect everything to everything else. They uh, described that Guardians seeing Strand as opening their third eye, seeing this psychic dimension that they can then interact with. Yeah? Okay. With, with that in mind, threads that connect everything. A third eye to see a psychic dimension. It it hit me oh, shit. that there are some very interestingly named bosses in Kingsfall. Specifically, the Daughters of Oryx, Irhalak the Unraveler, and Ir Anuk the Weaver. Oh. Now, the Grimoire cards, the D1 Grimoire cards for these two, say this. For Irhalak... It says, she is Irhalak, the unraveler. She plies her blades upon the fabric of space, cuts the seams, pulls apart the cloth, leaves the worlds in tatters. Iranuk, behind the unraveler, comes Iranuk, the weaver. She takes in hand the threads of her sister's work and weaves them into the tapestry of Oryx's realm. To further this idea, we are, uh, there's a dialogue, which um, I, I had in my head this whole like weaver and thread and unraveler relationship, but I hadn't really figured yeah. out, like I, I knew there was something there, 
but I hadn't really figured out how all the connective tissue between those things worked until I came upon a Reddit thread in Destiny lore uh, earlier today where someone brought up a forgotten dialogue from Season of Arrivals. And that dialogue goes like this. Drifter. Hey, Moondust. I hear you're the resident hive expert. Eris Morn. I hear you try to cook them. Drifter, you know what the best part is? Eris, you're wasting time. Drifter, the eyes. Cooked just right. Makes you see colors for hours. Eris, colors. Drifter, lights like streaks. Eris Morn, lines through the world. Drifter, you got it. I can never tell where they're going. Eris, how naive do you think I am? That little throwaway dialogue. Dude. Tells me that potentially the hive the hive can see, the can see strand and perhaps have been able to see strand for a very maybe long that's time how Kuroda was is able to cut open holes and maybe that's how shit. hive in general are able to cut holes in the fabric of reality i oh fuck me so we are we are we are kind of getting hive met. Oh shit, the, that's why it's green. The bungee devs oh, described shit. using strand as opening our third eye to see a psychic dimension. How many eyes do all hive have? That's what I mean, that's the that's the glaring thing in your <laughs> face, right? Like how many eyes does Eris have? Exactly. So presumably Eris has been able to see strand as well. Now I, I th- she just hasn't she just hasn't thought to like use it or anything. Well, right? like I, that's... I think it's that no one's been able to use it. Not 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 easily. Um, okay. I think it's been it's been visible to the hive and to Eris, but the way the hive figured out how to manipulate it is through the hive rituals. Is through right. You know the the wizards and um, such as Irhaluk and Iranuk. Yep. Uh, yep. They have to do this whole ritual to exact some level of control over it, uh, or through a tool such as Oryx's sword or Crota's sword. Um, right. But they can't reach out and touch it and manipulate it directly, which presumably is what our guardian learns to do. So, and and I went back and obviously I I I I love rewatching the the previews and stuff. And of course on on PlayStation it's right there in front, which A is kind of freaky because every time I hit the PlayStation button down at the bottom, <laughs> it's the witness fucking staring me down, and it's super creepy. But what I I went back and watched it, and before they even show off Strand, as as the three guardians are walking up to like the Cabal. Uh, whatever the tormentors and all that, the shadow. I, what's the what's the name of the force? Um, I, the I shadow legion. Shadow, shadow legion. Yeah. yeah. Um, as they're walking up to it, you see him like plucking, like plucking strand strings, like he like he's like strumming a guitar mm-hmm. to his side, mm-hmm. just for like a quick second. So like it, we like we the guardians at least come lightfall can absolutely just interact with this stuff, uh, can see it, first off, can interact with it freely, like we don't need any type of high ritual or anything, which I'm curious if this is like a byproduct of like 
Well, no, because it wouldn't be Crown of Sorrow. Well, maybe it would be our tie to the Crown of Sorrow. Maybe it was part of the heiress's ritual. Hard to say. Oh, shit. Uh, Holy, dude, this is making me... So You ass. There's more. Uh, <laughs> oh, damn it. Um, okay. So I, I think this can be explained as how a lot of hive magic works. So if we okay. if we look again at the sisters, uh, um, Oryx's uh, daughters... They were yeah. working on, in the Books of Sorrow, uh, this is Books of Sorrow, specifically the chapter called The Partition of Death. They describe what they're doing to Oryx, saying, if we can separate our deaths from ourselves and hide them, we will be hard to kill. That was them trying to right. create the Oversoul. Now, this is maybe a little simplistic, but the Oversoul is green. Right. I'm wondering if what, they're, what they were doing really was figuring out, okay, if there's strand, if there is this energy that connects all things to all other things, how do I disconnect the strand between my soul and my body and instead connect the strand of the soul off to the oversoul instead? So that if the body dies, the soul is still attached to this other location. Interesting. If we okay. if we use that idea as this psychic connection between things, we start right. to see Strand show up in other places. So oh, Strand could explain deep sight. We are manipulating the psychic dimension connection of an item to see how it remembers itself being at one point. How it's how it's tied to the strands of oh I, again they they describe strand as psychic energy psychic by definition of the word deals with you know the the mind with memory maybe right. you know I I'm attributing everything darkness that's memory related as just a lesser version of strand essentially or or a byproduct of strand. Uh, okay. We also see evidence that the Nine can see Strand. In the Prophecy Dungeon, there is a dialogue from Eris Morn that says, The Nine can see the weft and weave of fate. Eyes up, there is much to learn from them. Oh my god. So, seemingly, Eris is saying, yeah, the Nine can see this. They, they may also not be able to interact with it, but they can see it just like I can. We take this a step further. Take this a step okay, further. You, I, my brain is <laughs> melting right now, but keep going. I'm going to try to keep up. Psychic connection. There's another instance of a psychic connection in game that we talked about pretty recently. Oh, shit. This is where my squirrel-like <laughs> memory has fucked me. What was it? So, there is an innate connection between every Awoken with Mara Sov. Oh, she can shit. communicate telepathically when she chooses with the Awoken people as a whole. Awoken are part light and part dark. I think Mara, maybe, maybe unbeknownst to herself, I think the way Mara's telepathy works is that she is communicating across strands that are connected from her to her people oh my god one final note 
God damn it. I can't. One, one final note, just to cap, just to cap it. it all okay. off. This comes from Callus. Uh, this is on the Insane, Insane Shade Boots, which I believe were the Spire of Stars boots. Um, I think so. But the lore card on those says this. The universe troubles itself with numbers, wishes, the dreams of worms, the hissing silence of the black edge, the echoes of a false god. None of it matters except this. A shadow of your guardian tribe is exactly what I need to herald what's coming. I know your kind. You bend reality when it suits you and break reality when it bothers you. At the end of all things, I will need something like you, with the weft and weave of the universe at your fingertips, to help me usher in the end. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, was was that, we're talking a set of boots that's from like year two, year one. Yeah. Calling out the events of Lightfall? Get the fuck out of here. So Strand has been in the game for potentially a very long since D1, if it's related to the hive in the way that I think it is. Get the get the. All right, and I'm spent. <laughs> that's that's what just happened there. So think think of that as you will. Um, I I can't. My brain is gone. <laughs> goodbye brain but uh but yeah i i think i think strand's been around for a while i think strand is the explanation for a lot of of different uh rituals and magics that have yet been unexplained up till now you know with the awoken and the hive and and uh whatnot so yeah yeah that that's brain. that's what brain i'm gonna it's gonna leave you all with tonight yeah yeah thanks <laughs> yeah i'm gonna sleep with that tonight okay all right all right well that's our show that's my brain bye <laughs> that's all i got uh no uh holy shit that's a i can't I, i'm still i the boots like he like shot for shot calls out there's another thing that i that's like you that i need while you're wefting and weaving. Like, he's literally calling out the entire trailer for Lightfall. Get the fuck out of here. All that from a set of boots? How did you remember it was on a set of... You know what? I don't... I don't even... Did you just search, like, weft and weave? No, I don't... I don't, I don't even... No. <laughs> no. I, no. I am not going to claim that that is from memory. Uh, once I started putting a couple pieces together, it was a lot of Ishtar searching to find other See? puzzle pieces that would fit. See, kids, you're not the only ones that skip work to listen to us. We even <laughs> skip work to listen to us. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, uh, shit, man. That's, that's kind of mind blowing. All right. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of skipping work to listen to us, uh, we have some shout outs. Yeah, we absolutely do. Uh, so we've got um, two shout outs today, both of which come to us from Apple Podcasts this time around. 
the first of which is uh, a five-star review. Thank you for that. From a S052George is the username. Um, they say, these guys do a great job covering all of the lore and any hidden stuff that I may have missed in game. I recommend them to anyone that would like a deeper understanding of the Destiny universe. I share it with my clan so they can enjoy the show as much as I do. Great job, guys. Hell yeah. Thank you. Hell yeah. Thanks for spreading the word, too. Yeah, yeah. highest form of praise to, to recommend you know, to, to people you know. So that, that's, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and say the, uh, the second shout out for us tonight, uh, also on Apple podcasts, another five star. Thank you very much. Um, comes from John jr. 45, uh, who says more focused on listening to you guys than focusing on my job when I'm working. Keep up the amazing work. Uh, Thank you. you. Say that seems to be you a are theme. Not the lately. only one. That's, that's what I, like every other review is just, "Hey guys, I quit my job to listen to you guys." We're just like, "Okay." Uh, I mean, we're. I, I thank you. I I know we ramble and we're like, "Thank you." Yeah. I, I don't have words for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I guess just to, to close out, I. If you're new, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Uh, if you're wondering how you can get in touch with us, if there's something you, you heard that was super interesting or you had an idea about something that you wanted to share, um, as we said, we've got a Twitter. It's at Myths and Stories. Stories with a Z instead of an S at the beginning. Um, you can drop us a line there. i say we usually are are monitoring that uh as you know semi-frequently um also if you like what you heard and uh you're so inclined to drop a review even if, whether that's text or or just giving us a uh you know however many stars you think we deserve um on your platform of choice that is always uh very appreciated uh for for that support um but yeah say so other than that i think i think that's it for the night Alrighty. Well, then from all of us lore nerds to all of you guardians out there, we'll see you next week.